standing water. So, there's these neighbours that live out past the quarry, down a rough track that goes nowhere and then stops at the edge of a slushy field. It's low ground out there, and it rains more days than it doesn't, giving the place a bottom-of-the-well kind of feel. The nettles grow to neck height. There's her house, and then, almost opposite, there's his. They can see each other easily enough, whose car is there, whose lights are on. They can see through each other's windows. There aren't any trees, there aren't any other houses, no one passes by. It's just the two of them, but they haven't spoken since the ditch started overflowing. The ditch runs along the bottom of the track, and there's a drain in the middle that serves both their houses. The drain is always blocked. When it rains, the water fills the ditch and starts spilling over. It rushes along the track and over the grass and pools outside their front doors. It happens every month, every week. The drain spits and gurgles and the water gushes out, greasy and rabbit-coloured. It smells like a jug that's been holding flowers too long, that slick, dark bit that gets left around the edges. Sometimes it seeps under their doors, sometimes it seeps through their walls. In winter, it freezes to a grisly crust. In summer, midges spawn and dance over it. But they never get it fixed. He thinks it's on her land, and so she should be the one to do it. He remembers seeing some kind of clause and some kind of document relating to the boundary line, although he's misplaced the paperwork. She says it's closer to his house, and so it's his responsibility. She's measured the distance, and there's at least four inches in it. She puts out sandbags. He buys a stiff broom and pushes the water away with sharp jabs. If they're ever out the front at the same time, they carry on in silence. She swings her heavy grey plait down behind her back. It's like the pulley on a church bell, except nothing chimes. He pulls the hood of his coat down low, so that only the frayed wires of his beard can be seen. Sometimes, someone will shake their fist. When their doors slam, they echo across the fields. The months pass, and then the years. They watch each other. They know each other's small routines. How, on Monday, she leaves the house at 11 and comes back at 2, carrying a plastic bag with bread and some kind of bottle in it. How he stays in every day of the week except Sundays, when he goes out early and comes back at midnight on the dot, with dark lines below his eyes. How she never watches TV. How he leaves his bedroom light on all night. How she crushes tins so hard for the recycling that they split in the middle. How he carefully cleans his spades. How she checks twice that she's locked the door behind her. How he checks that he's locked his door three times. Once in a while, she looks out and sees that all his curtains are shut. They can stay like that for weeks. Once in a while, he smells smoke and sees that she's having a bonfire, tearing out bits of paper from folders and feeding them into the flames. The cinders land on his van. They're as big as fists. He knows what day she washes her hair. She knows what day he changes his bed. Sometimes, at night, he thinks he sees a torch glinting around the track. Sometimes, at night, she thinks she sees a torch glinting around the field. The months pass, and then the years. Still, it rains most days. The drain blocks up, and the ditch overflows, and water pulls in front of their houses. One evening, at the tail end of winter, the rain is coming down as thick and heavy as a tap on full throttle. The gutters pour. The drops are fat and grimy and smear on the windows. She's inside, slicing the skin off potatoes, when she hears something scraping, then a thud. 
She goes over to the window and glimpses a torch somewhere down the track. The torch goes out. She starts on the potatoes again. The rain drums even louder. She cuts each potato and throws the pieces into a pan of cold water. They sink to the bottom. Something moves in the pelting rain, and when she looks up, he's there, outside the window, staring in. His eyes are pale and watery. She puts the knife down slowly. She goes to the door and opens it a few inches. He's hunched by the wall, wearing his mac and carrying a spade. There's mud up his legs and his back and along both sleeves. His hood is streaming. Water runs off the bones of his face. Have you got a spade? He says. Mm -hmm.